Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. Fulfilling the words of Jesus when he taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. For more resources like this or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Hey, I was on my computer not too long ago, and uh, I don't know if you guys ever have computer issues. They send, tend to find me more than anybody else, I think, but I use my iPad a lot for everything, and there's a Microsoft Word app for your iPad, and all of my messages and stuff are on my iPad, but I like being able to go back and forth between my iPad and my laptop, and sometimes even my phone, and I can just keep using the same documents, and they update all the time, but the only thing that'll make this thing work is Office 365. I don't know if you guys have Office 365, but every time I've tried to put it on my iPad or I get like a different iPad or something, it keeps telling me to sign in. And who how many passwords do you have to remember these days? And I'm just like, I can't remember what that password is. So you end up just having the, it's password, it's not password. So you end up having the same password for everything. And it just was causing me all these problems. And so I could never get this app to function when I wanted it to function. It was usually right before I get up to preach, I try to pull up a document and it's like, oh, sign in. And this is the sign that I kept getting. If you guys can put that slide up. I don't know if you've ever gotten something like this. You'll probably appreciate this, uh, Pat. It said is either not designed to run on Windows or it contains an error. Try installing the program again using the original installation media or contact your system administrator or the software vendor for support. The dreaded red and white of an error message that you somehow just got. And when you get that, you're like, that's it, I'm done. I'm not calling tech support. And I realized the reason I kept getting this error is not because there was a problem with the program. The reason I kept getting this error is because I was not using the program the way it was designed to be used. Because I kept using a free demo version and I ain't paying for nothing, you know? I'm like, why do I have, I just wasn't using it. I only wanted it so that I could save a document on my iPad. That's all I wanted. I just want to save it. So I'd write a whole document and then couldn't save it without signing in. But Office 365 apparently is designed to be this all-encompassing media platform that does all of these great bells and whistles things like only Microsoft can do. But I just simply wasn't using it the way it was designed to be used. And so I had all the things that I needed to make it work, but I just wasn't using it the way it was designed to work. But every time I tried to do, make it do what I wanted it to do, I'd have all these constant reminders that, hey, you're not doing this right. That's not what this program is designed for. You probably need to install the program again using the regular original installation media. So finally, I bit the bullet. I got an office subscription to something and I downloaded it, got the login, and now everything functions exactly the way it's supposed to because I finally followed the way that it was supposed to work and the way it was designed. I'm not a big Microsoft fan. I'm an Apple guy. How many Apple people do we have in the house? See, everyone except Akeem almost just raised their hand. So 
Um, Akeem is the guy that's in your group text that you can't name the group because he's the only non-iPhone message user in the whole group text. So you got to remember, everyone's got that friend. Yeah, so I'm an Apple guy. Maybe that's why I'm using an iPad with Office. I just reckon that's probably the reason I'm combining two things. But I realize that things work a whole lot better when you use them the way they were designed to be used. Do you ever realize that? I had a friend once who, uh, anyway, that's another story. That's, that's, I'm not going to get into that one. He kept trying to cut down trees using a hacksaw. I'll just make that story real short. He was sent to cut down several trees for another guy he was working for. You come back and he cut one branch off in like three hours. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no one's that, what's going on? I said, what are you using? And he showed me, it was a hacksaw. He was trying to cut down like trees with a hacksaw. And I was like, man, that is the picture of definitely not using something for the reason that it was designed to be used. But you know, God actually created someone with a very specific design in mind. Much like this software was supposed to do. He had a very specific purpose and a very specific design. And this might surprise you, but his name was Lucifer. And I want to read some Bible with you guys from Ezekiel chapter 28. I don't know why I've been stuck in Ezekiel for a while. But this is God talking about Lucifer, who we now know as the devil, as Satan. But Lucifer was not created as an evil creature. He was not created as Satan. He was created as Lucifer. So in Ezekiel chapter 28, if we can throw that scripture up, guys, we're going to read this together. It says, you were in Eden. That's talking about Lucifer. Lucifer was in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond. The beryl, the onyx, and the jasper. The lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald. And the gold. The workmanship of your settings and your sockets was in you. I want you to read that. It was in you. On the day that they were created, they were prepared. Next verse. I think we got another slide. Next slide. Next slide. You are the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. So what was Lucifer created as? The anointed cherub, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Now, I want you to go back. Liam, can you go back to that other slide? There you go. The the thing I want you to see in this is how Lucifer was created by God. He was created with design and he was created with purpose. And this scripture tells us the workmanship of your settings and sockets, the gold, was in you. We could infer from this that Lucifer was not just designed to worship, but he was actually designed with instruments, musical instruments in his body. That that is one of the translations that says that's what he was created. He was not just created to worship. He was created with musical instruments in his own body. His own physical makeup was designed 
for worship. That's the blueprint. That's the design. But the problem is Lucifer chose not to use the instruments in his body to worship God. Because we see in chapter 28 and verse 17, we can go to that verse, your heart became proud. This is what happened to Lucifer. Created to worship. Designed for worship. Meant to bring, to walk amongst the midst of the fire. Do you remember the fiery stones around the throne of God? That when Isaiah chapter 6, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And an angel takes one of those fiery stones and places it on Isaiah's lips and purifies Isaiah's lips with stones from the altar. In other words, God took what was unclean and made it clean because of these fiery stones. Ezekiel says, this is where you were meant to be, Lucifer. You were amongst those fiery stones. You were designed to worship God. You have it in your body. You're designed one day to take these stones and purify what is impure. You were meant to stay pure. But he chose a different route. And the scripture says your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you. And it consumed you. And I reduced you to the ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. Because of his pride, Lucifer was cast down. Now we know that 1 Corinthians says, in 1 Corinthians 3.13, that the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Now this is speaking of the things that we build in our lives. Whatever we build our lives around, the fire will test the quality of that work. And when the fire hits it, if it's not built in the kingdom of God, then it's burned away. It becomes nothing. It becomes the very ashes that we're talking about. But if it's built on kingdom, then it comes out like a refiner's fire. And what comes out are all the things that we see Satan and Lucifer were created with. The gold, the jasper, the onyx, all those beautiful precious stones. That's what's meant to survive the fire. So all of us, including Satan, all of our lives are going to be tested by fire. Whether you're going to heaven or hell, what we build is going to be tested by fire. Everything that we build, even our own bodies, are tested by that. But when the only thing in you is pure, you come out of that fire pure. It's the same picture we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. They go into a fiery furnace. But when they go into a fiery furnace with their hands bound with ropes, they come out and not even their clothes are burned, but the ropes are gone. Because when you walk into the fire of God, the purifying fire of His presence, the only thing that burns off of you are the things of the world that tried to bind you. And when you walk into that fire, the fire recognizes that's not kingdom, that's got to go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your hearts are pure, come on in. And they see a fourth man in the fire walking around with them. Because that fourth man is the one that caused the fire, not the king of Babylon. 
When we subject our lives to the fire, the only thing that comes out is what's pure. But when Lucifer steps in and God makes fire come out from him, it's the same fire. But in him there is no purity. So everything is burnt up. And that's what happens. But God is speaking of the exact same fire. You know that story in Exodus chapter 3 when God appears to Moses in the desert? Have you heard this story before? He appears to him as a burning bush. People refer to it as your burning bush moment, your aha moment. But what's interesting about this story is Moses is just hanging out, man. He's, he's going for a walk in the desert. Those kinds of bushes are all over the place. These dry, you know, those kind of desert bushes. That, how does that thing live? It gets like a drop of water a year, just dry bushes. And certainly if you set that thing on fire, it's not going to last very long. But he's just going for a walk, hanging out, and he looks over and he sees a fire. Maybe a fire in the desert is not a big deal, so it catches his eye, but maybe not paying that much attention to it. But when he looks over and catches it in his peripheral vision, he looks over and he goes, oh, wait a minute, there's something different about that fire. Because that bush is on fire, but the bush itself is not being consumed. The fire keeps burning, but the bush never changes. It's not consumed. And it's because of that that Moses is drawn to that bush. It's because he noticed a fire that was burning, but the bush wasn't consumed. So he goes over to the bush, and then God speaks from the fire. And we know that's where Moses' calling actually comes from. But it's not the bush that was speaking. It's the angel that was in the fire that was speaking to Moses. Because what Moses is looking at when he's seeing this burning bush, that bush is a mirror to Moses. God is showing Moses a blueprint for what his life is going to be like. Moses, I am the fire. You are the bush. I am going to burn in you. I am going to speak from you to Pharaoh But you will not be consumed. If your heart remains pure, then when my fire burns in you, you will be just like this bush. You will be on fire and people will come from miles and miles to watch you burn because you're not consumed. It's the same picture with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the same picture with Moses in this bush. And it's the same picture of what happened to Lucifer, except because there's no purity in him, he himself is consumed by the flames. When I read the story of Moses, and I see it as God's showing him this blueprint, I'm looking at you. I'm thinking, you're the bush. And you're the bush. And you're the bush. And if we subject ourselves to the flame, God's fire will speak from us, but we will not be consumed. But when we listen to the voice of the one who is consumed, do you know what he tells us? You better not subject yourself to that fire. Fire burns, fire hurts. Fire destroys. Look at me. That's what will happen to you if you subject yourself to the flames. But he's the father of lies. Yes, you will subject yourself to the same flames. But it's not for the purpose of destroying you. 
It's for the purpose of breaking off the bonds that he's tried to put on you. And there is freedom in the fire for you. It's the same image, but a different result. The image is I will make fire come out of you. God speaks of Lucifer. I made fire come out of you and consume you. But Moses, I am going to make fire come out from you. And people will come for miles to see what is this that I've never seen before. And this fire, it's not going to burn up and it's not going to go out. You know, every fireman will tell you that fire needs two things to stay lit. You know what they are? It's a fuel and it's oxygen. Those are the two things that a fire needs to keep burning. And when it comes to the fire of God, when we supply the fuel, He supplies the wind. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do you know what Paul is doing? This is like... This might be a verse you've heard before, but think about this. He is urging them to sacrifice themselves. It's like, it's almost like, look, I know this is going to be hard, but do you think you might? Like if I'm telling somebody to sacrifice themselves, he's going, no, 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 no. Guys, I urge you to sacrifice yourself. Come on. Hey, trust me. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice. I urge you to do this. It sounds weird, doesn't it? I mean, okay, Paul, (laughs) can we just have our holy huddle here and kind of just hang out and talk about Jesus again? You're a little bit too urgent on the whole sacrificing. He's, no, no, come on. Come on, I urge you. I urge you. Come on. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you know why? Because Paul knows that fire always falls on sacrifice. Every single time. It's Elijah on Mount Carmel. And all the prophets of Baal are putting all of their thoughts and hopes and good wishes into their God to provide fire. And that God doesn't exist. He doesn't put fire on sacrifice. He just wants you to keep sacrificing. But the moment that Elijah puts the sacrifice on and calls fire from heaven... Why is Elijah confident God's going to show up? Because Elijah knows God always sends fire on sacrifice. And so Paul is going, come on, I urge you, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. When you do, His fire is going to fall on you. And His fire is not to be feared. His fire is to be sought out. His fire is to be desired. Because when we fall on the altar ourselves, His fire falls and the only thing that burns off is all of the fear, all of the negativity, all of the anxiety, all of the feelings of inadequacy. It's gone. It's gone. So I'm urging you, put your bodies on the altar. Go to mommy. He's right. 
that means. Put your own bodies on the altar and see the fire fall on what you sacrifice. And stop listening to the voice of the one who knows he's going to be consumed because his only desire is that you suffer the same fate that he does. And it's almost like God himself is going, come on, just put yourself up here. (laughs) Because the place of sacrifice for us is way different because Jesus has been placed there. Because it's not your blood that God requires. It's your heart. And when his fire comes, it's not to destroy. It's because he's got a new blueprint for you. You will not be consumed. The only thing that gets consumed is the part of you that the enemy has tried to put in. And you come off that altar pure and holy. So I urge you to do it. When we offer the fuel of our bodies, he sends the fire and wind. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they're sitting. That's the fire. That's the, the wind. That's the oxygen that supplies fuel for the fire. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them became a bush filled with fire and then spoke. That's the fire of God speaking from the bush, just like He showed Moses. Nobody in that room was consumed by the fire. I promise you, if we're in this room and fire comes into the room, it's a little scary. I don't want to be consumed, but it came to rest on each and every one of them. And they weren't consumed, but they began to speak. What came out of them was no longer fear. What came out of them was no longer anxiety. What came out of them was no longer hiding. It was power. It was fear fire. It was spiritual and it broke the bonds the enemy had been trying to put on people for years. Do you remember that moment when Moses was like, there's a bush on fire and it stopped being consumed. I want to go, I want to go find out what that is. That was one man, one man in the desert that went, a bush on fire that's not being consumed. This day, 3,000 people went, what is that? Those are bushes on fire. I'm hearing things that I've never heard before in my life, and it's in my own language. And 3,000 people went to a room of about 120 people who got filled with the Holy Spirit because what God prophesied to Moses happened at the day of Pentecost, and it'll happen right here tonight in this room if we are willing to lay our own bodies on the altar of sacrifice. God's not looking for your money. God's not looking for your volunteer hours. He's looking for your heart on the altar of sacrifice. It goes, God, if there's anything that's impure in me, I know that when I walk into your presence, you'll show me what needs to come out. You're not going to do this for the purpose of punishing me for what's wrong. You're doing this because you love me and you want to see the bonds that others have put on to me broken off because I was created for freedom. You were created for freedom.
Fire will fall on your sacrifice, and it'll do it right here tonight if you'll let him do it. Lucifer was created as an instrument of praise and worship. And so are we. We step in and fill the role that Lucifer put aside. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. I know I'm playing with words here when I use the word instrument, but I don't care. We're an instrument of righteousness. Satan was likely created with instruments in his body. We are instruments of righteousness. Our bodies are the same instrument. The blueprint for us, we were designed for worship. We were designed for praise. And when we use our design for anything else, it doesn't work. You'll keep getting the same error message that I got on my iPad. Go back and install the original software the way it was meant to be designed. And I thank God that we keep getting error messages that come up. And it's frustrating because you just go, I just want to do this the way I want to do it. God, I want church to look like what I want it to look like. I want revival, but let me determine the cost of revival for me. I want to have a marriage that's thriving. I want a wife that obeys. No, I want a wife that loves me, and I want to have goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I want to have agreement. But I'm not willing to put myself on that altar of sacrifice and say, not my will, but yours. I'll never see it. But when we do, Fire falls on it. We're the instruments of God. And the world needs fire, not fanfare. It doesn't need gimmicks. It doesn't need convincing. It needs fire. And the fire's in you. You want more fire? Put in more fuel. Because you don't stay on the altar. You just keep crawling on it. Yeah, you take a shower every day, hopefully. I've got teenage boys. That's why I meant by that. You take a shower every day. You just wash off the day's stuff. Do you know spiritually you can do that as well? God, I just want to get on the altar again. It's not coming into and going, woe is me, I'm an unclean man who lives with people of unclean people. and It's not that. It's just, when I step into a Thursday night prayer meeting in here, or I come into worship with you, or I'm just waking up in the morning, I'm going, God, you got me again. Here I am. Come on, search me again. Is there any unclean way within me? Because I am subjecting myself to the fire. Because I want to be pure. The world needs what you're giving me. And if I put the fuel, he'll bring the fire. When we discover our blueprint, 
when we really see what we're designed for, I think sacrifice becomes easy. That Romans 12 verse says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, in view of the mercy. So you're not putting yourself on the altar just hoping God shows up, but we've already seen his mercy. When I'm in the middle of worship with you guys, and you just sense the presence, and you feel the mercy, (laughs) you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. When we view God's mercy, when we take communion as a reminder that Jesus didn't just take away our sin, He took on our sin. He suffered the punishment that we deserved. That's mercy. And when I take communion, my natural reaction Maybe it's better to say my spiritual reaction is, you did this? Oh, God, you, you got all of me. Remember the day I married Romy, and I watched her walk down the aisle. Those of you who are married, hopefully you remember this. You know that tunnel vision feel? You guys just had your anniversary, didn't you? That tunnel vision where it's like, She's the only one in the room coming down the aisle right now. And I watched her come down the aisle, and I just thought, she's doing this? Like, she's giving up all of this, all the possibilities of other guys, potentially her own country, potentially her family, for me? Her walking down the aisle was her way of saying, I'm leaving it all for you. There was no hesitation in my heart. Because when I saw what had been given, it was so easy for me to go, you've got all of me. When we remember the sacrifice that Jesus had made, and in view of his mercy, offering our own bodies as living sacrifices becomes a whole lot easier. So when we're trying to hold on to our pet things, our pet doctrines, our pet theologies, our ideas of what church should look like, our, our thoughts on giving, our thoughts on worship styles, our thoughts on whether the pastor should wear ugly jeans or not, or talk about cycling way too much. It doesn't matter. Because it's not in view of all that. It's in view of His mercy. And we put ourselves on the altar, and I promise you, Fire falls on sacrifice. Always falls on sacrifice. When we do that, we step into our original purpose. And it's those moments that people will come to see what it's all about. Why have we kind of, I don't know if resisted is the right word, but maybe resisted massive social media campaigns for Seashore Church? Why have we not done TV ads and everything? Not that I have anything against them, but I just think if enough of us are willing to view God's mercy and put ourselves on the altar of sacrifice, people want to see what that fire is all about.
and the people aren't being consumed. I was thinking of you, Gary. His whole family is on vacation two hours away, two and a half hours away. And he left to come to church tonight. I didn't know he was coming. I had no expectation for that. But I watched him walk through the door, and my heart just went, there's fire that's going to fall on that. That's, that's, a, that's an American sacrifice, right? I gave up a holiday, you know what I mean? When you hear about martyrs in the world, sometimes you're like, really? But no, I, I don't mean to downplay that. But I just see that, and I go, there's fire coming, man, that, that you would do that. And uh, I just think that's, that's going to be the story of what God's doing here. I really do. I really do. So here's a couple thoughts as we close tonight. Um, when people do come because they see that, like the day of Pentecost, they will hear from God for themselves in their own tongue. That's what happened at Pentecost. When the fire came and they began to speak in tongues, it wasn't babbling. There were people there from all different people groups. Acts chapter 2 lists several different groups of people that said, I hear them declaring the wonders of God in my own tongue. So when we put ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and God consumes or sends his fire and speaks from us, that's the utilization of our spiritual gifts and understanding those. That's not just you becoming a preacher with a microphone. It's you walking in the power. It's you praying for people and seeing them get healed. And how good is evangelism when you heal somebody's cancer? How good is evangelism when their mother-in-law gets healed of a broken leg and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's Jesus. Give your heart to him and he'll save you too. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Takes all the pressure off of having to figure out how to have a great methodology for sharing Jesus. Where was I going with that? They'll hear, they'll hear God in their own tongue. There's a lot to this. I, I know there's a lot to training. I know there's a lot to discipleship. I know there's a lot to all those things, but none of it can replace us putting ourselves on the altar because we're designed for worship. And what comes out of you will speak to all different people groups. That's what I'm trying to say. So you don't have to try to be relevant because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate relevancy communicator the world has ever seen. And I promise you, none of those people that were speaking in tongues had a clue as to what they were saying. So this was not, I went and took a foreign language class and then I figured out how to do this. The Holy Spirit just did it and everybody else understood it. You want to be relevant to your culture. You want to be relevant to reach all different people groups from different backgrounds and different ages, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Just get filled with the Holy Spirit and just let him speak through you and it'll cross every multi-generational line, every ethnic line, every racial line, and it won't matter. You won't have to try to have a black church or a white church or a yellow church or a green church or a blue church or a young church or a millennial church or a baby boomer church. Just get filled with the Holy Spirit. Put yourself on the altar of sacrifice. Let his wind blow through you and people will come to see what is it with this fire. I'm telling you, you were created with worship. So don't let your instrument be used for anything less than righteousness and glory. You were made for worship. You were made for fire. You were designed for power. You were created to live free and to bring freedom. You are the salt and the light. And I'll tell you, it's less about the quality of the instrument and more about who's playing the tune. If you took the greatest Stradivarius violin, one of those several million dollar violins, put it in front of me and I played it, I promise you, it's not going to sound very good. But if you went to Walmart 
and got a violin from Walmart and had the greatest violinist ever and began to play it, I promise you it would sound pretty darn good. It's not always about the instrument or the quality of it. It's who's playing the tune. So don't worry about, I don't have the skills. I don't have the makeup. I don't have, I'm not like you or I'm not like you. It's not about the instrument. It's about who's playing the tune. Submit yourself to the fire. Let God speak through you and watch what happens to your world. It will begin to change because you've changed from the inside out. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Jesus, feel the Holy Spirit moving even now and he's speaking to hearts would you let him speak would you open up would you open up your heart right now to him come on that's him that's him that's not me that's him open it up show me Lord show me your mercy Let me see it again. Remind me, God, that I'm not stepping into a void. I'm stepping into a place that you've provided. And the altar that we place ourselves on is not an altar of blood because your blood has already been spilled. It's not a place of punishment. It's not a place of torment. It's a place of purification. So Lord, we place our whole selves on that altar. Come on, just begin to, even in your own mind, just placing yourself on that altar. And just tell Him, God, you got all of me. You got all of me. It's not halfway anymore. I don't want to play Christian. I don't want to play church. You got all of me and send your fire, God. Burn off in me everything that would hinder the sin that so easily entangles, the offense that so easily distracts us from the purity that you've created us for. Come on, show us the blueprint, God. Let us see again that we were created as instruments of righteousness. Let your wind blow through us again. let's see this world come to watch us burn and to hear your voice as you speak through us there is salvation coming to your world to your families to your workplaces there is healing that's coming there are generational curses that are breaking there are prison walls that are beginning to shake that are beginning to quake Come on, keep putting yourself on the altar. Don't keep asking God to go do something. Just put yourself there and the fire will come from you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.